All right. How's everybody doing? Doing all right? Good, good. Welcome everybody here live in the room. Welcome to everyone at our sites and venues who are joining us right now. Welcome to everyone joining us online. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors on staff here and, uh, and a part of the teaching team. And it's great to have a chance again to be able to, to be together on another Sunday. So here's what I want to do. I want to start off by um, playing a little bit of a game this morning uh, together. I, um, I like movies, even more so sometimes than movies, I like movie quotes. Any other movie quote lovers out there? Yeah, a few of you, there's like eight, that's awesome. So, um, so uh, what I wanna do, I wanna play a little movie quote game. The way we're gonna do this, I'm just gonna put some movie quotes up on the screen and see if you can name the movie that they're from. Now here's the way this is gonna work. One, we are going to become a charismatic church right now and that you get to talk back to me, even sites and venues, trust me, I can hear you right now if you're at home, yell loud. And, uh, and, and, and so what I'll do, I'll put the quote up and then I'm going to count to three. And then if you know the movie, we can say the movie together. Does that sound all right? Everybody in, you get it? Okay. We're going to start off fairly easy just to kind of prime the pump, get the juices flowing a little bit. So we're going to start with this one right here. Movie quote, may the force be with you. Okay. Three, two, one. Oh, said everyone everywhere. Could even hear you downtown in Fitchburg. That's amazing. So that's good. Yes. Star Wars. Good one to start with just to kind of get things going. Okay. Let's go to the next one real quick. Just keep swimming. Or I could say it maybe this way. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Sorry. Okay. I'm going too far. So, okay. (laughs) Three, two, one. Oh, good. All right. You got that. Yes. All of you Disney Pixar fans. That's awesome. All right. Let's go. Let's go to the next one. Yes. There's no place like home. Three, two, one. Good. That's good. All right. You got it. A classic. Everybody's seen it. That's amazing. Okay. This one's a little more difficult. Stop that rhyming. I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? Okay. Three, two, one. Said about 14 people. That was awesome. You've just found a movie that all of you need to see. Seriously, if you've never seen Princess Bride, you need to check it out. And it's a great quote. Andre the Giant in that movie. Oh, man. It's incredible. Okay. um, Next one. Let's go to the next one. I am Groot. Ready? Three, two, one. Oh, all right. More of you have seen that than Princess Bride. That's good. Yes, Vin Diesel, the guy who was paid millions of dollars for three words over and over. So awesome. All right. Next movie. Everything is awesome. Three, two, one. Lego movie. Yes. Again, I mean, this is a movie not just for kids. It's absolutely incredible. Okay. Uh, Let's go to the next one. If you build it. He will come. Three, two, one. Come on. Oh, I am so proud of our church right now. One of the greatest baseball movies of all time. We're even getting applause in this room for Field of Dreams. That just warms my heart. And if you've never been there, it's only two hours away in Iowa. Make the trip. Church field trip. That would be fun. We'll rent buses. It'll be great. I'll go together. So Field of Dreams, amazing movie. Okay. There. Okay. Here's another one. We don't talk about Bruno, or I could say, we don't talk about Bruno, no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's early. Um, All right. Three, two, one. 
Encanto, yes, another great Disney. If you've never seen it, you need to check that out. Okay, and then the last one, the grand finale. Let's go ahead. I just like smiling. Smiling's my favorite. Ready? Three, two, one. Elf. Oh, okay. That was actually a little depressing. I was really proud of you, A Field of Dreams, but now you've dashed all my hopes for our church altogether. But Christmas is coming, so if you've never seen it, you need to watch that elf. So, so hopefully, okay, how many of you, at least two of those movies, you know the quote and you've seen the movie? How many of you? Yeah, that's pretty much every hand, should be every hand, just about everywhere. And isn't it true that when we... When we've seen the movie, it changes the way that we hear the quote. Like if you hear a quote, you might be familiar with a quote from a movie, but if you've never seen the movie, you might know it, but you don't know exactly how it was used. You don't know the context. But when, but when you hear a quote and you know the movie, just hearing that quote, it takes you back into the movie right now. I'm guessing for some of you, you wish we were just going to end right now and watch one of these movies all together for the rest of the time, or I know what you're going to do this afternoon is go and watch one of those movies because it just draws you in. When you know the quote, like you, when you've seen the movie, you know the quote, you know who said it, you know who they said it to. Like, you know, the situation they were in, you know, the way it changed things, you know, the way the, the context of, of the way it was used, because context is everything. When we know the quote from the movie and we have seen the movie, it changes the way that we hear things. Well, the reason why I bring that up today and start off is because in the same way that movie quotes, when we have seen the movie, it changes the way we hear the quote in the same way it really works with scripture as well. That there are all kinds of passages of scripture that, that we know and we are familiar with, just like we're familiar with movie quotes. And yet in many cases, we haven't seen the movie. Well, in, in other words, we, we, we haven't done a deep dive into why these things were written. We don't necessarily know the context. You know, like, like for instance, like look at some of these different passages right here. I'm guessing that they're going to be familiar to a lot of you. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Okay. Quick show of hands again. How many of you, at least one of these, if not a couple are familiar to you in some way, you've heard them. Yeah. The majority of us. And yet my guess is we're like, yeah, I know them, but I'm not exactly sure where they're from. We don't necessarily know why they were written. We don't necessarily know the context of what was taking place for those words. And the thing is, like we talk about around here all the time, the Bible's written for us, but not to us. We're the original, we're not the original audience, but, but it still is unbelievably applicable to our lives in the same way it was to people back then. But something changes when we know the context. Like when we know the actual story of why those words were written, who said it? Why did they say it? How does it actually fit? How does it apply? What was the audience? What was the situation they were in? When we know those things, it brings a richness to the passages of scripture that helps those passages actually become more applicable to the lives that we live. 
Which really brings me to the main point of, of what we're doing today. Today, we are starting into a brand new series where we are taking a look at the book of Philippians together. We are jumping into a series in Philippians and we are going to be going through the book of Philippians for the next 10 weeks altogether, this week and nine weeks after it. You know, the interesting thing is all of those passages that I actually just put up there, all of them are from the book of Philippians. I'm guessing for some of you who didn't know that. And here's the interesting thing. As you study the book of Philippians, there are so many passages that are totally familiar to us, but we don't know the context of why they were written. And so what we wanted to do today was to start in to this, man, this series that we're going to do with, with the whole point, the context is everything that it's important for us to know the story because when we know the story, there is a richness that comes from what is said. So in light of that, we're gonna start right at the beginning of the book of Philippians together. Philippians chapter one, verse one. That's where we're going to be beginning today. So if you have a Bible or a screen that you look at scripture in, go to the book of Philippians in the New Testament chapter one, verse one, and that's where we're going to begin. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Okay, now let's, let's stop here for, for just a minute. Because I think that sometimes when we study a passage of scripture, we read a passage like this and we kind of almost see this as sort of like a throwaway verse. Like we just sort of kind of get through that quickly in order to get to like the meat of the things that we really like, the deep passages that feel like they have a lot of content. But really a passage of scripture like this, it should actually cause us to ask all kinds of questions. Like who was Paul? Who was Timothy? How did they know each other? Who were the people in Philippi? What exactly was the relationship that Paul and Timothy had with this group of people? What was the culture in Philippi actually like? What was their church like? What were they dealing with? Why would Paul actually be writing them a letter? See, you see what we're doing when all of a sudden we start to ask questions like this. We're beginning to understand what it means to actually study the Bible because context is everything. Whenever, um, Whenever I'm getting ready to actually like take a look at a, at a book of the Bible and I wanna study it, there, there are different resources that I go to in order to be able to do that well. One of the ones that I go to on a regular basis is something called the Bible Project. And we talk about the Bible Project around here a lot. I know that some of you are big fans of the Bible Project. One of their founders, Tim Mackey, actually used to be a pastor on staff here. He's a great friend. And the way that God is using the Bible Project is amazing. But one of the things the Bible Project is known for, a lot of you know this, are these short little videos on every book of the Bible to help us understand why it's written. If you have never checked these out, you need to do so. What I wanna do for a minute is I wanna go to this one video that they created on the book of Philippians, just to show just about one minute of the intro of it, just to give us some context. Let's go to the screens for just a minute right now. Paul's letter to the Philippians. 
The church in Philippi was the first Jesus community Paul started in Eastern Europe, and that story is told in Acts chapter 16. Philippi was a Roman colony in ancient Macedonia. It was full of retired soldiers, and it was known for its patriotic nationalism. And so there, Paul faced resistance when he was announcing Jesus as the true king of the world. And after Paul moved on from there, those who became followers of Jesus continued to suffer resistance and even persecution, but they remained a vibrant community faithful to the way of Jesus. Paul sent this letter from one of his many imprisonments, and for a very practical reason. The Philippians had sent one of their members, Epaphroditus, to take a financial gift to Paul to support him in prison. And Paul sent back this letter with Epaphroditus to say thank you and to do a whole lot more. Okay. If you have never checked out these videos, you need to check them out. They throw a lot at you in eight or nine minutes, but they are just amazing at giving us context. So I'm going to give everybody sites, venues online here live in the room uh, a little bit of homework. One is I want you this week to go and watch the Bible Project video on Philippians. You can go to the website. You can also just go to YouTube, type in Bible Project Philippians, and the video will come up and you can watch that. But I also want you to do one other thing. Tim actually, he was, the, he was the narrator of that. He mentioned something really briefly that we could have missed. The beginning of the story of this relationship between Paul and the city of Philippi actually is recorded in the book of Acts chapter 16. I want you this week to go and read Acts chapter 16 because it gives us context of what takes place. Now, I would love to be able to read that, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to give you a snapshot of what takes place in that particular book. Paul and his traveling companions are on these missionary journeys going to start churches in other areas of the known world. And they go to the region of Macedonia to this particular city called Philippi. And Paul and one of his traveling companions, Timothy, as well as another guy named Silas and a few other people, they're looking for people to share their faith with. And one of the first people they come in contact with is a woman named Lydia. Now, Lydia was a wealthy, well-off merchant. So the book says, actually, she was a dealer in purple cloth. And, uh, and she uh, comes into contact with Paul. Paul shares the gospel with her, and she and her entire family actually place their faith in Jesus, just transforms their lives. This is the first family that we hear of in Philippi who place their faith in Jesus. And they're so blown away by everything that Paul is doing that they actually, because she is wealthy, she has space, invites Paul and his traveling companions, companions to move in with them during the time where they're in Philippi. So the chapter continues and Paul continues to go out into the city to be able to share the message of the gospel. But at one particular time, there is an altercation that takes place between him and people from Philippi who began to, man, falsely accuse Paul for things, Paul ends up being arrested and he, is, he and Silas are beaten and they are thrown into prison. And they are handed over to the head jailer there in Philippi and told to be put into like the most secure area of the prison. But on that particular night, <laughs> something miraculous happens and there's an earthquake that actually causes the jail doors to be flung open and the shackles on their feet to actually fall off. And the jailer sees what takes place in this moment and he's sure that all of the prisoners are escaping and he knows exactly what's going to happen to him if the jailers, if, if the prisoners all escape. And so he draws his sword 
to take his own life. And Paul and Silas run to him and tell him, don't take your life. We're all still here. (laughs) All the prisoners, no one is left. The jailer is so blown away by this. The doors are open. They are completely free. And yet all of them have remained. He's so blown away by this story that he actually places his faith in Jesus. It goes on to say towards the end of the book, his entire family placed their faith in Jesus. Paul and Silas remain in prison for another day or so, and then they are on their way out to continue on their missionary journey. But we hear the story of these two families, of this wealthy female merchant and her family, and then this this head government jailer. These are the two beginning families of the church in Philippi. This is where the church begins. And it's through this relationship they have with Paul. They continue with Paul to send money to support him as a church in the journeys that he's on. And now, man, it's been 10 years at least since Paul has been there with them. And Paul finds himself in a situation in Rome where once again, he is thrown in prison. But in order to encourage this church because of the fact they've continued to support him financially and to encourage them, he writes them a letter. That's the book of Philippians. You see, we look at it in scripture and we think, well, it's the book of Philippians. This is a letter. It's a letter written based upon relationship that Paul had with this group of people. That gives you the context for what it is that's written in that book. So here's what I wanna do today. I wanna do something a little different than what we normally do. I actually want to read the book of Philippians to you in its entirety. Altogether, it takes about 15 minutes. Now, I know this is, this is different. It's been a long time since we've done this here at Blackhawk. Some of you, you've gone to church like your entire lives and you've never actually sat in a service, regardless if you're in here, one of our sites and venues, you've never actually sat and listened to an entire book of the Bible be read. So, and it's actually, it's a little, it's a little risky Because, I mean, let's be honest, (laughs) in our society, in our culture we live in today here in America, experts tell us that our attention span is about eight seconds before we like start to wander off and think about whatever it is that we want to think about. So this is going to be different and a challenge, but I think we can do it. And here's the reason why I think it's good for us to do. It actually puts us in the place of what the early church would have been like. I mean, when this church in Philippi, they gathered, they gathered together to listen to a letter of a friend that had been sent to them. And like, they weren't like running off copies and handing it out to each other. They sat together as a group and they listened. So here's what I want to ask you to do, all sites and venues. I'm gonna, we're going to do something a little different. Have I mentioned this is going to be a little bit different? So what I want to ask you to do right now is to actually close your Bibles. And if you're looking on a screen right now of some sorts, I want to ask you actually to put that down. Because what I want to do is I want us to take this in as the early church. And I know our attention span isn't great. So I'm going to like, we're going to have a little bit of a cheat sheet here. And I'm going to give you two questions that I want you to think about as I'm reading this book. The first question to think about, hopefully you're going to pick up as I read this. What's Paul's relationship with the Philippians? And the second one is, what does he want for them? And I want you just to be listening for those things as I read this letter right now, the letter from Paul to the Philippians. 
Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I think of you in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters here have become more confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing that is in every way, whether with false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die, it's gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is by far better, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. 
Since you were going through the same struggle you saw that I had and, and now hear that I still have. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now more so in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming to your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare for everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy, he's proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon as well. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother and coworker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. Further, my brothers and sisters, Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. 
Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for such confidence. If someone else thinks that they have more reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship, it's in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for more, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of the coworkers whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord Always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need for I actually have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yes, it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me the matter of giving and receiving, except you only, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me, they send their greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, amen. That's the book of Philippians. So let's go back to the two questions for just a minute. What's Paul's relationship with the Philippians? Man, he loves these people deeply. This relationship that began with them in situations while he was in Philippi of pressure and persecution and imprisonment tied him to this community in a way that we don't see in any other letter that he wrote to any other church. You notice that in this letter, there's no place actually where it talks about like placing your faith in Jesus because this church, these people, they're beyond that. They're to a deeper place and longing to go deeper in that relationship, which gets us to the second question. What does he want for them? <laughs> he wants this church that he loves deeply. He wants them to love God deeper and to love one another deeper. You know, the, the tagline that we came up for, for this series is deepening relationship with God and with others. Because really love is the foundation of this church that we're reading out about in Philippi. What's it like for our church? All sites, all venues, whether you're watching on a screen right now or you're here live in the room, what does it look like for us to be a community of people who love each other deeply. Because in the same way we talk about the Bible is not written to us, but it's written for us. It should have the same impact that Paul desired for the church back then. That should be the impact that it has on us today. And it's the reason why we right now are taking the next nine weeks to be able to study this book together. Look, I have conversations with people all throughout Blackhawk all the time. And I, I mean, I know that we have people in our church who are longing for more. I know that there are some of you, all sites, venues, watching online, here live in the room, who uh, 
Well, you, you, you've accepted Jesus as your savior. You know your sins are forgiven. You know, and you come to church on Sundays and you might even have a place to serve. And yet deep down, there's a place of you kind of wondering, is this it? Or is there anything more? For others of you, you might just be checking out the church right now. And maybe you've come because, man, things have gotten difficult in your life. And you don't know a lot about the Bible but you know that there is a deep longing inside of you for something more. You see, I believe that for all of us, for all of us, when we get to the depth of what's going on inside of us, we have a deep longing to be in a loving relationship with our creator and with one another. That's where we're headed over the next nine weeks. So maybe this week you want to do a little bit of a diagnostic. How are you doing right now in the relationships that you're in? How are you doing at, at loving God and loving those around you? And, and within those relationships, even as you strive to love God and love others, what are you honestly longing for? Because my hope is that as we dive into this book, that it literally will change our church. Scripture, we study it, why? For transformation, because we believe that God desires to transform our life. What will it look like this fall as we study <laughs> and take a look at what does it mean to love each other deeply? That's what we're going to do for the next nine weeks. So buckle up. Let me pray for us. God, Thank you so much for your love for us. I know we say this all the time, your, your love for us that really does not make sense. And uh, God, I pray that as we as a church step into this time over these next nine weeks to study this short little book that took us 15 minutes to read, will you transform the way we love you from a deeper understanding of how you love us, that it might change the way that we love others and the impact that we have on the world. Thank you, Father. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.